This is Erin Kay, the CEO and founder of Claiming Disability Incorporated. If you're not familiar with Claiming Disability Incorporated, we are an organization that works to educate, advocate, and empower for people with disabilities through media projects like films, documentaries, and of course, the You Belong Here podcast. All right, y'all, I have a real special guest for you today. I have George Steves. He's an actor friend of mine who is super cool and he's been in a lot of different things. Um, he has been on a lot of TV shows and he is actually autistic. He's a queer autistic actor and I'm just super excited to have him on today and nobody's popping in. So I'm starting to think that this is taking a second. Okay, I was like, nobody's popping in. So I'm like nervous that it's not working. Thanks y'all. Um, but yeah, I have my friend joining me today for an interview. Uh, yeah, I'm having George Steves on today. He's an actor, he's an autistic queer actor out here representing the disabled community in a real way. And I'm really excited to talk to him. I uh, worked on a documentary for the Disability Easter Seals Film Challenge, The Unicorn Closet with director Andy Arias, where George Steves was a starring actor in the documentary. It's really fantastic. I think that documentary does a great job portraying um, LGBTQI voices uh, in the disabled community. So George is has joined us and I'm gonna let him in here and um, yeah, Andy is really great. Um, so hopefully, George will send a request here so I can get him on and then he'll be joining us. Like I said, George has been involved with a lot of different projects in Hollywood and I'm just really excited to talk to an actually autistic person in the community uh, representing us out here. Um, I think he's really fantastic. I think George is cute as a button. I don't know if you've seen his modeling shots or anything like that, but he um, is pretty awesome. So hopefully he's gonna join us here. I just sent the request. He will accept it. Taking us a minute here. Hey! Hey! I got worried for a second because there was <laughs> kind of a little bit of a lapse going on. But she's got lots of hearts going on. And you've got your friend Ronnie on saying he loves you. And we all love you. So, George, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, why you're an actor, and why you're out here representing the disabled community the way you are through media. I just think it's a really important thing you're doing really important stuff with your work well um it's actually kind of funny in between acting jobs i drive for uber and lyft and um a long time ago i was giving an an uber ride to a tourist and she asked me why are you an actor and i i took a minute to really think about it and then i just said well because i have autism and if it wasn't for movies and television I wouldn't have even started talking in the first place. Yeah. So. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, now not to date myself, y'all, but I'm 32 years old. I'm out here being open with my side part and my skinny jeans, okay, y'all? But I didn't grow up with good disabled representation in movies. Um, you know, even the actor from Glee, I got so excited about him being in a wheelchair because I use a walker. 
and I have cerebral palsy, and then I find out that he's not even disabled, and my heart just broke, you know, and I just, I didn't have that kind of representation growing up, and I was always so confused, because I felt like the kinds of representation we had were kind of like these sad narratives of disability, and I'm just like, that's, that's not how disability is. It's kind of a spectrum, kind of like autism. Like, yeah. you know, there's good moments and there's not so good moments. So, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, and a lot of actors, they do side hustles like that. I mean, what are some projects that you're currently involved in or you've done? And have you really been able to kind of showcase, I don't want to, showcase is probably the wrong word, but uh, portray your autism in a realistic way? Well, um, I've been blessed to have a very good agent. Uh, shout out to Gail Williamson at KMR. She's been my agent since 2017. And um, I was recently a guest star on NCIS Los Angeles. Uh, my Woo! episode in uh, season 11, it's called Human Resources. And um, I also did a film called Pencil Town, which has now been changed to Saving Paradise. And we have a buyer, somebody bought the movie, and um, we have a release date. It's scheduled for the third quarter of 2021. Wow, that is really cool. What's it like? This is something I wanted to ask um, our mutual friend, Bertone Banks. He's an actor with autism that also is queer and African-American working. What's it like to work as an actor during the coronavirus? Like, what has well, it been like? What does a day look like in the life of George Steves, the actor, coronavirus? Like... Well, I actually, unfortunately, I haven't been the most blessed in terms of I haven't worked since 2019 because the movie wrapped right before, um, right before coronavirus happened. So I've had auditions during the pandemic. Um, every audition I had was self-taped. I hadn't had a single in-person audition in 2020. So I haven't been blessed to work, but um, luckily, thanks to doing NCIS, um, before the pandemic, I, um, I, um, I still get residuals. So uh, that that's a nice perk. And um, when I did work as an actor, whether it was on Saving Paradise or NCIS, I have to say, when you're living your childhood dream and being in front of the camera and being on television, there's no greater euphoria than that for me. It's probably like the coolest feeling in the world. Like, I'm not an actor, but I can only imagine like how surreal that could be just to like be there on stage, like with celebrities. He's met Paula Abdul, y'all. He's met Anna Ferris. Like, he's not just like hanging out in the rafters. He's like, you know, hanging out with these people. And it's like, what is, I just, can you? Kind of describe. Sure. Um, I can talk about both of those encounters. Yeah, actually. please. Um, um, when I was doing Saving Paradise, I got to work with one of the actresses from the TV show Mom, which Anna Ferris was on as a regular for the first seven seasons. Uh, they're currently in their eighth season now. Sadly, they're ending. But um, I, uh, I got to work with Mimi Kennedy, who's a regular on that show. She plays Marjorie. And I told Mimi Kennedy in between takes of Penciltown what a big fan I was. And um, we also had another actress on Penciltown named Mary Pat Gleason who recurred on Mom. So Mary Pat Gleason said to me during the production, hey, um, I'm gonna be in this next episode of Mom. How would you like to come as, a, as, as my guest? So um, me and Mark, another actor from the movie, we got to go as VIP guests and we got to go down to the soundstage after the show was done. And we, I got to meet Anna Ferris and take a picture with her. <laughs> I geeked out over a movie that I think it surprised her because I don't think she gets that movie as much as other things that she's done. Like obviously people want to talk about scary movie, of course, which I love, but for me, my personal favorite movie of hers is a movie called Just Friends. Yes! I, 
I geeked out over just friends because I, oh, I love that movie. Really. Thank you so for funny. saying that. <laughs> Everybody forgets about that movie. Like Ryan Reynolds, and she's so funny in it. And I'm just like, oh, I love her. I kind of feel really bad because. Like, she's so kind of overshadowed now by Chris Pratt because they were married and dating and stuff like that. And and I'm like, Anna Ferris is, is really funny. Like, I, I want her to kind of, you know, have this. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure she will. I mean, she did decide to leave Mom after seven seasons and not come back for the eighth season. But she said, I'm looking to pursue other opportunities. So I'm, so, I'm sure she's got some great things coming. She is, yeah. a, she is a very nice, kind, funny, and very talented woman. So I don't think we've seen the last of Anna, not even close. So that's super exciting. And with Paula Abdul, were you just kind of hanging out? And well, uh, for Paula Abdul, that's another story. Um, my friend Percy was in her residency show in Vegas. He was playing MC Scat Cat from the Opposites Attract video. So they hired a stand-up comedian to basically play MC Scat Cat on stage. And um, Percy wanted me to wait for the show to end. That way we could hang out together. So I, I, I had a seat way up in the rafters in the balcony. So what I did was after the show was done, I came down and I waited. And there were all these VIP people who had who had who had paid to you know get a picture with Paula and I wasn't I wasn't one of them but I ended up making friends with some of the VIP people and I was like oh I'm just waiting my friend Percy was in the show he was the MC scat cat he's gonna come out in a minute I'm just waiting for him but nobody kicked me out so I got to get in the line and actually get a picture with Paula yeah <laughs> so that was something I kind of lucked into and then um I, I've met two of the American Idol finalists, so I got to say when I was right next to her, you know, two of my friends were on American Idol, Michaela Gordon and David Hernandez, so, um, and my friend was in the show, my friend was, my friend's the NC Scat Cat, so um, that was, that was a really cool opportunity, and it was a nice full circle moment, because I auditioned for, I'm also a singer, I auditioned for American Idol nine times, and I never got on the show. So nine was, times, you said? Yeah, yeah, nine times. It's not what it looks like on TV. It's not like you just go to the audition and bam, you meet Simon, Paula, and Randy. There's a lot of preliminary auditions where they really weed out what they want and what they're looking for. And you have to keep in mind, it's not about talent per se. It's about casting a reality, you know, television show. Right. So they, 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 they look at people and go, oh, we already have eight guys who are just like him, or we already have eight girls who are just like her, so we can't pass her through or him through. But um, so that was like a nice full circle moment. Like, okay, I may have never gotten on American Idol, but I still got to meet Paula Abdul. Yeah. Well, and that's so odd to me because to me, not to say you're a character, but a reality TV star like you, who has autism, who identifies as queer, who is disabled, I would be like George Steves. George Steves. Like, I would want to, like, text, you know, back in the day when you had to, like, text the number to, like, get your favorite person like you I mean I'm, I'm I'm 32 as well and I mean and to date myself I remember the day when we would call the American Idol idols you know number from our landlines on our phone I did that like with Kelly Clarkson I was all like oh Kelly and to me still my favorite winner I mean I still think Kelly Clarkson was the best idol we had and she's still going she's fabulous like and just, you know, I mean, not to date myself even more, but I'm going to, but, you know, Clay Aiken and like. Yep, runner up of season two. I just still listen to that stuff. Like, I, I love it. And, but again, I feel like they're, I had a conversation a little bit ago where uh, we were talking about cerebral palsy and representation with RJ Mitty with Breaking Bad. And 
I had a guest on who said that he, you know, had auditioned for a reality show. And essentially, they told the guest, or they told him that he wasn't the right fit. And I'm like, was that because of your disability? I mean, is that a real reality when they're casting reality TV? I mean, like, I, when I think of like reality TV, I think of, like, the real world. It's just, like, so old, right? Like... Unfortunately, with, with reality shows like American Idol and The Voice, it's, there's a lot of factors that go into it. It's not just about who has the best singing voice. It's, it's about a lot of things. It's about your look. It's about how you sound, uh, what they're looking for. So there's just, it's a lot of factors that go into it. And, and um, not that I've given up on singing, but obviously acting is the main focus. And, you know, hopefully after I get a little more established and known as an actor, I would love to make an album and, you know, and, you know, do music as well. I mean, you know, one of my career idols, honestly, was Jennifer Lopez because she started out, uh, she started out as, a, as a dancer and then successfully carved out an acting career for herself and then, and then successfully transitioned into music. And her feeling was, you know, why not? I mean, because she had a lot of people tell her, oh, you're, you're an actress. That's what you do. You just act. And it's like, why can't I do both? And I, I see it the same way. Like, why can't I be both? You can. Like, I would love, you know, you'd have a singing career, maybe a dancing career. I know you do, like, drama shows and stuff. And I'm like, that's you want to? I'll, I'll dance. I'll dance if you want to laugh. I'm very Elaine from Seinfeld, but um, but uh, that's why I did my one man show actually a couple of years ago called Magic Eight Ball: My Life with Aspergers, and um, that show is available to watch on my IMDb page. You just go on George Steves on IMDb.com, and I have two video clips there. One is my actor's reel, which has my NCIS Los Angeles scenes. And the other one is Magic 8 Ball, My Life with Asperger's. They're both on my IMDb page. And for Magic 8 Ball, the whole one hour show is on there. And you laugh, you cry, you learn a lot about Asperger's. And I talk about American Idol and I also sing in my show. So I did my one man show as a way to show people what I could do. I can sing, I can act, I can I can be funny, I can tell jokes, I can tell stories. And um, it all came from just watching an episode of Oprah's Masterclass where one of my other idols, Whoopi Goldberg, had talked about putting together her one woman show. And I was like, well, maybe I should do a one man show. And so that's how Magic 8-Ball began. And I started writing it in 2016 and it already premiered at the 2017 Hollywood Fringe I've done it in um, Edinburgh and Scotland. I've done it in New York City. It's won five awards. Wow! And it's it's definitely it's definitely my life's uh, my life's work. All went into that. All went into that show. Why well, I, I know when I was looking on your IMDb page, I saw that, and you know, why is it called Magic Eight Ball? Is there some special significance there? Well. Um, I was working on um, I was working on music at the time. I was working with a producer named Steven Rivera, and um, I wrote a song called "Magic Eight Ball." That's my life, and I had released a music video. I have since taken it down just because it was country, and I'm not looking to pursue country music anymore. I like country music. You're but so I... funny. You're just like I don't want to do country. Well, it's just I I gave country a try, and I like country music. I lived in Virginia for ten years. I grew up on country music in the '90s. Oh, Tim, me too. Tim, I Tim McGraw, Shania Twain. But anyways, um, so like... much Willie Nelson. I'm from the Midwest, y'all. Like. Yes. I like country music, but I didn't I didn't like it enough to pursue it. So I took the video down, but the song was called Magic 8-Ball, That's My Life. So I had just released the video. So my mother was like, well, why don't you call it Magic 8-Ball, like your song? And then so from there, I was like, okay, that's an interesting idea. And then from there, I thought of the idea of, oh, why don't I tell my story with a Magic 8-Ball? And I'll shake a Magic 8-Ball on stage, and the audience will see the answer on the screen behind me of what the Magic 8-Ball says. And that transitions into another portion of the show. Wow. 
So the Magic 8-Ball ended up becoming kind of like the narrator to my show. That is so cool. Not to be super corny, but I'm going to be. But like, how do you, how do you muster like the bravery? Because like being an actor, like you're so out here. And guys, if you're not following George, you need to be because he's involved with a lot of different projects. He's doing a lot of cool things. And it's like, how, how do you, how are you, you're so confident. Like when I look at your headshots and things like that, like you're so confident. You're like, I belong here. I belong in Hollywood. And it's weird because when I think about disability in Hollywood, I still think we're, as a community, we're still trying to find our place there. And it's like, what would you tell somebody who's disabled and would want to pursue acting? You know, like what kind of barriers have you come up against? Like how, how are you so brave out here? Like, well, you know, it's hard. It, it is really hard. And what I would say to anybody who wants to be in this industry is uh, the key word is patience. You have to be in it for the long haul. If you're looking for an instant gratification, this is not going to be the industry for you. I moved here in 2008 to go to college at California Lutheran University. I didn't know a soul when I moved out here. I mean, I had the support of my parents. Um, I have the best parents in the world who supported my dream because ever since I was a child, I was the child of the 90s who grew up on on Nickelodeon and Disney Channel and MTV. And I was like, I was like, I want to do that someday. I want to be on TV, whether it's acting or singing. I want to do it. And I, I never, ever let that dream die. Uh, no matter how many people said, oh, find a backup plan. Oh, it's a tough business. Oh, it's this. I didn't let any of that deter me. And I, I got here in 2008 and I just started building from the ground up. I joined an acting class in 2009. I got headshots in 2010. I started self-submitting on Actors Access and LA Casting and Now Casting for student films and short films, just so I could get a resume and I could get a reel and I could get experience. And um, I became eligible to join Screen Actors Guild in 2011 when I was Taft Hartley in a um, SAG New Media Project. So when you're Taft Hartley, so when you're Taft Heart Lead, it means you don't have to get three vouchers. If you're doing extra work, it just means you booked a principal role in a SAG project. You're automatically invited to join Screen Actors Guild. So um, I just tell people, be prepared to do the work. Uh, nothing is going to come easy. Like I said, I've been here since 2008. That's 12, almost 13 years. And I was just finally starting to work in 2019 after 11 years of being here. And, um, and there's always a way to make something happen if you want it badly enough. So, I mean, I did acting classes and I did improv classes at the Groundlings. And when I wasn't getting the success I wanted from either the acting class or the improv classes at the Groundlings, I found another way. I was like, okay, those didn't work. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to do a one-man show. And that became my ticket to get a better agent, to get in on better auditions, and to finally book roles, whether it's guest stars or um, the movie I did with Saving Paradise. I was third on the call sheet after the movie's two stars, William Mosley, who you might remember as Peter from the Chronicles of Narnia movies, and uh, Johanna Brady, who was on a show called Quantico with... Um, uh, Priyanka Chopra. So um, that was that was really cool to be third on the call sheet after those two actors. And it's like, wow, yeah. and this was and this was my first movie. So I mean, I just I tell people the key is don't give up and be prepared to do the work. And you can't be in it to want to be rich. You can't be in it to want to be a star. You have to be in it because you love it. And I love acting. It is my way of connecting with the world as a human on the autism spectrum. That because, is so beautiful. Well, through, through acting, I learned about, I learned about empathy and putting yourself in somebody else's shoes because sadly, 
you know, we tend to keep to ourselves as people on the autism spectrum. We tend to be introverts, but being an actor, it forces you to put yourself into somebody else's shoes and you really understand empathy and you really understand what other people are going through. And, and in my case, I understand what my characters are going through because I'm in their shoes when I walk on a set. It's their story I'm telling, not mine. I'm just there to... I'm just there to be the vessel to tell this character's story. Right, and before the call, or before this live, and guys, we'll get to your questions here, I see ya. Um, we were kind of talking about this idea, you know, one of the things that I think I wanna hit on, you know, I know uh, with the controversy going on with Sia's music video, um, you know, that caused quite a stir in the disabled community, even as much as because, I don't know if you know this, but like just a week ago, you know, that music video that Sia produced with Maddie Ziegler uh, has won two Golden Globes. And I guess the issue from the disabled community is, you know, are our voices even being heard? Because before that video dropped, you know, there was a lot of controversy of Maddie is not an autistic person. Like, she should not be in this role. You know, I just kind of want to know your, not to put you on the spot, but I just kind of want to know your feelings as an autistic actor. And to have a situation happen like this in 2021. I'm, I'm um, happy to discuss this. I mean, obviously, look, I'll just start off by saying I'm a fan of Sia's. I really enjoy her music. I, I'm a fan. I'm not, I'm not on a crusade to cancel Sia. And um, the thing is... Oh, I love you. <laughs> the, thing, the, thing is, um, the thing is, though, I mean, music is her directorial debut. And it did get nominated for two Golden Globes. I don't know if it's going to win because the Golden Globes haven't been announced yet. But it's been, it's been nominated. So we'll see. But the, the thing is, it's, um, it was her response that I wasn't a big fan of when she said there isn't representation for autistic actors, but it's like, but there's plenty of us. I mean, there's not just me, but I mean, my friend Alex Plank, who is a guest star on The Good Doctor, is on the spectrum. Um, there's a girl named Kayla Cromer, who, who's, on a, who's on a freeform show called Everything's Gonna Be Okay. There's so many of us, and even my agent, Gail Williamson, the KMR diversity department was made specifically for actors who are on the autism spectrum or actors who have Down syndrome or cerebral palsy or an amputee or any physical or intellectual disability, my agent Gail will represent them. KMR, KMR diversity was made for that purpose. And when I went in for both um, Saving Paradise and NCIS Los Angeles, it did say on the casting breakdowns, please submit actors who are on the autism spectrum. So just to, just to break it down for anybody who's listening, who's like, what are breakdowns? Breakdowns are basically a bulletin that goes out from casting directors to agents and managers. And it basically says, these are the roles that we are looking for. And then agents and managers can then submit and say, I have this person, I have this person. So even the industry has gotten better because both of the roles I got, they did specifically put in breakdowns please submit actors who are on the autism spectrum. So it has gotten better, but just to, just to hear Sia's response about how there's no representation, I was like, that's a little disappointing because we have really fought, especially over the last several years, to be included and to be in part of the conversation. And Obviously, you are going to hire the actor who you are going to hire, and this happens all the time in show business, whether it's straight actors playing gay roles. This happens all the time in the, in the industry, and we're not, we're not excluded from that as disabled actors when you see neurotypical actors playing roles that we are capable of. But I just want to say that I'm glad that if there's one positive that came out of this, at least it's shown 
a light on all of this to go, no, what Sia said was not true. There is representation. We are here. Please get to know each and every one of us. Yes. And I just, I was so confused because I'm also, guys, I've been listening to Sia's music for a long time. I'm a huge fan. And I was so baffled to hear this kind of Twitter response that she had to the autistic community. That was one, you know, there's not enough autistic representation, which isn't accurate. And then two, you know, she kind of, from what I've read, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, from what I've read, she was kind of saying that working with an autistic actor would be too difficult to do. Which, um, which, which I have to dispute because I've done two shows now. I've done NCIS Los Angeles and I've done uh, Saving Paradise. And, you know, we as actors, we know about etiquette on set. Obviously, when there's a call time, you come at that time. And, you know, when, when they yell action, you go. When they yell cut, I mean... I mean, I, I think that, you know, obviously the autism spectrum is, as you said earlier, is a very wide spectrum, but there are plenty of us who do live on our own, who are capable of getting in our car and driving to the set and doing our job. So I just think it's unfair to generalize the entire autism community and say, oh, well, this is hard for all of you. It's like, okay, it might be difficult for some on the spectrum, but not every single one of us. And you really shouldn't generalize. Yes. Oh my God. Your response is getting so many hearts and I couldn't agree more. It's, it's this mass generalization of our community that I think is the most disheartening thing. And again, I continue. I mean, you know, not to call out Freddie Highmore, but I'm going to because I'm a huge fan of Bates Motel. Like, I watched that like it was going out of style. But, like, when he was casting The Good Doctor, I was so confused because I'm like, there's, I knew you. Like, there's there's so many people like you and my, our friend Bertan and, like, people in the industry that could have been cast that weren't even considered because they already had an able-bodied person in mind. And my concern, you know, because I think one of the, or at least one of the arguments that I've heard on sets is that, well, you can have somebody kind of teach, you know, the actor, like Brian Cranston, you can teach Brian Cranston how to be a quadriplegic. But it's really interesting because when I was talking to Tatiana Lee in our last interview, she's like, they don't know how to move like disabled people. And I'm like, exactly. Like, they're, I mean, I feel like, because, like, even with RJ Mitty with Breaking Bad, he was kind of exaggerating his disability. He doesn't actually walk that way. He doesn't actually use a mobility aid. And I'm like, exactly. I think there needs to be diverse representation of disability, because I use a walker. Not all disabled people who have physical disabilities use manual wheelchairs or powder chairs. That's not represented in our culture, you know, and we need to do a better job of like understanding disability is a spectrum. It's not, you know, just because you're quadriplegic doesn't mean you can't move your legs. We watch movies to, to mirror real life. And the concern is, is, when somebody sees a movie like Me Before You, where the disabled character is saying, I want to kill myself because I don't want to be a burden to my able-bodied partner, you know, that's telling able-bodied people that that's okay when that's not reality. Yeah, I, I, I didn't understand the controversy around Me Before You, but then because I have friends that are in wheelchairs and then they broke it down to me and I was like, that's really messed up. I mean, the message you're basically saying is that it's okay to eliminate your own life so you're not a burden. And it's like, that's really not a good message you want to send to any, any, kind, of, any kind of person watching that. And, um, and um, so I, I understand that completely. And 
obviously, um, the reason why I, I'm proud to represent the disabled community is that I want to be a voice that says we are able. Yes, we do have our issues, we do have our struggles, and we do have our triumphs and tribulation, trials and tribulations like any other human being does, but we can also have our triumphs if we are given the opportunity to have them. And so um, I, um, I hope to be a voice to remind everybody that we are certainly able. Yes, what kind of accommodations have you needed on sets that you've worked on? I recently found out, guys, this is a piece of information I did not know until I talked to Tatiana Berton and Andy, but sets do not have to be ADA compliant because I'm going to try to remember the reasons, but the reason is, is because it's a personalized set and the director is crafting it I don't know, maybe George, you can kind of explain it better, but it's not ADA compliant for whatever reason. Um, so what kind of, a have you ever needed accommodations on set or anything I, like that? I, I personally, myself, don't need any accommodations. Just give me the address. I will get in my car. I will go. I will be there on time. I will be, you know, ready to go to hair. I don't need any kind of specific accommodations. Now, I do, um, I do have friends who do have service dogs. So I'm sure that service dogs can stay in the actor's trailer, you know, and, um, or there can be a place where a service dog can go to sit, you know, during, during takes. But me, myself, personally, I don't need any accommodations. At the end of the day, I am just happy to be there. George, you're so awesome. Have, so with the roles that you've done, guys, he's been on NCIS. He's a big freaking deal. Like, have you, so your agent is representing you as an actor with a disability. You know, have you had to, do you feel like the roles that you play have been like positive portrayals of disability and not really kind of playing into that sad narrative where we're miserable and we hate our lives and all that stuff? Well, um, it's, it's actually kind of, it's actually interesting you say that because um, I'm really proud of both of the roles that I've played. Um, I can't wait for, you know, Saving Paradise to come out because I really hope people watch it and I really hope it resonates with people because what I loved about being a part of Saving Paradise was it's not political. It's, um, and obviously in a time where we have such ugly division and, and you know, civil unrest in our country, what I love about Saving Paradise is it's about a small town in rural Pennsylvania, coincidentally, because that's where I'm from. And, uh, and it's, about, it's about a pencil factory that's in danger of closing. So a community, a group of um, pencil factory workers in a small town come together to try to save the pencil factory. And it reminds us of the greatest element of our humanity, which is yes, we can put our ego aside. Yes, we can come together for something that's bigger than you or me. It's something that's bigger than all of us. And I just really hope that that message will resonate with people. And the character I played, Walter Wilson, was a character who um, had endless knowledge about pencils. Like I had so many monologues and um, lines in the movie where I had to recite these facts about pencils. And so I was like, okay, my character is very passionate about pencils and he consumes his, I mean, I say my character is similar to me, just swap my love for music, movies and television for pencils. And you know, the, you have the difference between me and the character I'm playing. And also what I love about um, Walter is that he goes through an incredible journey, an incredible arc. And um, I had such respect for Walter's courage that I as an actor just wanted to play the role with as much grace and integrity and dignity that I possibly could because I really respected the character I was playing. 
And uh, the character I played in NCIS Los Angeles, his name was Isaac. He helps Kenzie and Deeks, uh, played by the lovely Eric Christian Olsen and Daniela Rua. He helps, oh, wow. he, he, he helps them solve a crime because he saw the license plate, he memorized it, and he wrote it down. He wrote it down in, and he wrote it down in, um, he wrote it down on the ground in, um, in rocks. He wrote down the license plate number because he had had it committed to memory. So he helped them solve the crime. Um, I'd be more than happy to come back to NCIS Los Angeles to help them solve more crimes. You but, hear uh, that NCIS? <laughs> I'm gonna drag them. Like you need I'd to be, have. I'd be more than happy to come back and help them solve more crimes. So there hasn't been any character that I've played that has, you know, that has portrayed a, a negative stereotype. And I'm very, I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud that I've never had to compromise my integrity or um, what I personally believe to play something that would be negative fiction of people with autism. You talk about your character, Walter, you know, and his undying love for pencils, which I have to see this movie now, so please, Send me the link to Save Me Paradise because I want to watch it. I will. I, I recently signed some paperwork and I asked uh, the producer, Bethany, I was like, you know, who who bought it? And um, they're still in the middle of, you know, negotiations and contracts and um, legality. So I can't say the official release date or what it's going to be on. But, you know, it is coming out in the third quarter of 2021. And I, I really hope people enjoy this movie because as I said it's a beautiful human story and that's and that's what we really need more of in these really difficult political times that we're currently facing as a country absolutely and like with your characters you're talking about like your character had to commit to memory you know in rocks like a clue would you say that, like, the characters that you play, do they mirror your uh, your disability with autism correctly? Or have you kind of had to exaggerate your symptoms or think about it in a different way? Or, like, you know, how close is it to the mark in terms of the writing, you know, to an autistic person? An autistic person watching this, would they be able to say, yeah, that's... That's how an autistic person is. Like... Well, um, obviously, um, as I explained earlier, um, the autism spectrum is a very wide spectrum. And I'm very fortunate. I'm very blessed to be high functioning. I had a mother who was very hands-on, and she made sure that I was given social training and social cues. My mother was very, very hands-on to make sure that I was going to walk through this world and that I was going to walk through on my own two feet. However, there are certain things like stimming, like um, self-stimulations, like motions that you can do with your hands. So when I'm playing characters, I can draw back on the way I was when I was a child, whether it was body motions that I did on a repetitive loop or, or hand motions that I did on a repetitive loop. So I have those tools in my tool belt that I can always bring out to play an autistic character authentically, even if it's even if it's distanced from me now as a 32 year old adult, I have it in my tool belt that I can use. Like obviously if I'm playing a character on the spectrum, my character might have trouble with eye contact. So I will I will look for a specific place to look at William that might not be his um his eyes, but you know, I will I will always find uh, specific um, behaviors in my character that are drawn from my own personal experiences. Or I was in a class with uh, children that were that were um, that were weren't as high functioning as I was, and I saw their behaviors, and I saw I saw their um, their movements. So I could I could draw from that as well. Right. And again, I think it's just, it's different types of representation that need to be uh, represented. Again, I'm somebody who's considered uh, severely disabled, like, as opposed to, like, you know, somebody who may 
instance, they're proposing in their hands or, you know, on certain types of their body uh, because I do need a mobility aid to get around. You know, I do need to wear my braces, things like that. And again, I think it's just asking and consulting. And I'm sure if there was something that you needed guidance on, you would ask your friends who are autistic or maybe more severely autistic than you and you would say hey you know i want to make sure i'm doing this correctly like i just i really commend you being out here and being a disabled actor because you can pass right i mean you essentially you know it you could pass as an able-bodied person but you're like i want to be a disabled actor and, and as an actor, I mean, personally, um, I mean, I get that typecasting is a part of the industry and we all have to go through it when it comes to typecasting. I mean, one of my actor friends did say to me after I did two back-to-back -back autistic roles, she did say to me, well, you don't want to get pigeonholed. And I was like, well, yeah, I don't want to get pigeonholed, but I still have to work. I, you know, I still have to get known first. And then I'm hopeful that maybe after I get known and more established as an actor. Yes, I can eventually play roles that are not autistic roles that neurotypical actors would usually play. I hope I can play those as well. I mean, I'm a character actor. There's so much I can do. So I really hope that I can be the example of, yes, I can play an autistic role and I can play it very well, but I can also play other kinds of roles very well. That wouldn't require that wouldn't require, you know, an actor on the autism spectrum. And I'm hoping that once I move up in the industry and get the opportunities to play roles that go beyond autism, that that will open up the door for other autistic actors like me who are just trying to break into the industry and just trying to leave their mark in Hollywood. I hope that I hope that many more will follow after me if I'm lucky enough to break through and, you know, get to that point where I'm getting, getting roles that neurotypical actors can get. Cause then I can, then I can, then I can open the door for others. Exactly. You all just, you make me so happy because when I see you, you know, when I was talking to Tatiana Berton, you, when I see you guys, you know, I have hope for movies because I love movies. I love films. It's my favorite thing in the world. At one point, like I wanted to be a film critic. I wanted to be like Robert and Ebert and like review films. Like I love movies so much, but I find myself just being constantly, constantly disappointed with the disabled representation. And I just, there's no need for it in 2020, you know, when we have actors that are working and being out here and programs that you're talking about where agents are hiring for disabled people and they want us to be represented. Um, another thing that's really an interesting layer that I think is really interesting that you're also gay and you identify as gay and you know, we were kind of talking before, you know, this idea of, because, like, recently there's been some controversy, right? Because John Kaczynski from The Office was, like, uh, playing a gay character on SNL. And he, like, you know, he kissed somebody. He kissed Pete Davidson. And it's, like, again, like, why couldn't they have hired actual gay people to do that skit. Um, what are kind of your thoughts on that? And, you know, if a person needs to be gay or straight to represent? Well, I mean, also happy to put on the queer hat for the moment. I identify as queer. Want to be like, um, like, you know, it's all in the package and it's fabulous. But and, um, happy to happy to put on that hat for a moment. But that's a whole different um argument because the argument that's also made is you know yes obviously gay actors sh should get hired more to play gay roles but also they say on the other side of that argument oh well gay actors can't play straight 
And I, I like to dispute that because the character I played in Saving Paradise was straight. He had a, he had a female love interest and that was part of my character's story. So I get that actors want to play roles that are apart from them because, I mean, obviously, obviously I'm a character actor. I would love to play a serial killer, but I'm not a killer in my real life. So I, I, I love that answer. I'm gonna clip so, that. I, so I get the I get the point. I get the point that actors do want to play something that isn't themselves. I get that. And look, and I don't want to stop Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci from playing the roles that they desire to play as actors. But then my solution would be, then let's make sure we have even more gay content where more gay actors can get an opportunity to shine. Let's have more content then, not less content. And um, let's even the playing field. Um, I like that Neil Patrick Harris is a gay actor who plays straight roles. Let's have, and Matt Bomer is a, is a, is a gay actor who plays straight roles. Let's have even more of that. I mean, my feeling is we don't have to ban actors from playing certain roles. Let's just have more creation. Let's have more stories to tell. And the beauty is, I was watching an interview recently with Reese Witherspoon, where she was talking about diversity and inclusion. And the beauty about today's industry is that when it comes to streaming services, you now have data that proves it that people want more stories told that are more diverse and whether it's LGBTQ or people of color, mm -hmm. there is more stories that people want to see. And now there's data that proves it instead of just a movie studio guessing what people want to see. Because before streaming industries, uh, before streaming services were a thing, it was just a bunch of suits in movie studios guessing what people would want to see. But now we have data, we have numbers that prove it. And so my feeling is as an actor, whether you're in my position or Reese Witherspoon's position or Regina King's position, doesn't matter what position you're in, it is our mission in Hollywood to leave this industry a better place than the way we found it. I love that, guys. Do you hear that? Like more gay content, more disabled content. Like, we need more, not less. And we need to not be afraid. And, oh, my God. And I don't know why, but I'm just, I'm so attracted to gay men. Gay men are so hot. Like, I'm just like, and, and they're gay as hell. And they're just like, yeah, but they're so hot, though. Like, so, I mean, like, it's just... I don't know, like, I mean, exactly, like, I think just getting your feedback of, like, you know, we need more gay content, and it's, like, if, you know, we have... And just, and just all around, I mean, we could have more, we could have more disabled stories, more people of color stories, more LGBTQ stories. I mean, the beauty with having streaming services now is that everything is now in abundance, and, and... And who knows when traditional movie theaters are going to come back. But we have, I, I feel like in Hollywood, there's room for everybody and there's room for every story to be told. And like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to ban actors and say, oh, well, only, only this can play this and only that can play that. I feel like if you're an actor and if you want to play it, you should be given the opportunity to play it if that's what you want to play. But let's just make sure that we have more room for everybody. That way, everybody has a chance to tell their story. The only thing, and again, I think it's like you're saying, like, these are two separate issues, right? Because right. Because I think in the disabled community, what happens is they at least need somebody, like, studios, are you listening, Fox? You know, CBS, ABC, y'all need to have somebody like George Steves doing consultation on how an autistic actor should be played. But ultimately, hire an autistic actor. They're amazing. They're hot. They're great. Like, they're talented. I mean, there's tons of, of reasons. And, this, and the thing that is, like, when I was talking to Bertan, one of the things he said that really stuck out is like 
the characters are better. They're more authentic. There's like a grit to it or something, you know? It's like, just just give us a chance. Like, I mean, it's... I, um, that was a very, uh, it's interesting you say that because uh, one of the sweetest things that ever got told to me on the set of Saving Paradise when we were shooting it, it was, um, it was cast by Beth Holmes at Beth Holmes Casting. I, I, my first audition for Saving Paradise was a self-tape audition and then I got the call back in person and that was when I got to meet the director and the screenwriter and the producers and that was when I got to meet everybody. And, um, Beth Holmes was the casting director and she came to set one day and I was I was shooting one of my scenes and she came over after one of the after I was done and said that was some of the most authentic acting I had ever seen because you clearly can see the difference when you have a person who is actually on the spectrum playing a character who is on the spectrum and not to diminish what Dustin Hoffman did with Rain Man or or um, any other great performance that came before me. But now I'm glad that the industry is evolving to the point where it's like, well, hey, we can always get a brilliant actor to play autistic, but you can always get an autistic actor to represent autism through, um, through, yeah. So I, mean, I lost my train of thought there for a minute, but it just, it makes a difference when you have an actor on the spectrum given the opportunity to play a character who is on the spectrum because he can draw or she can draw from their own personal life experiences to really flesh out that character. Absolutely. And I think the thing is, is like, again, growing up as a disabled woman or girl or whatever, like didn't see the representation of myself. Like, I think that's very like, I think you and I can both relate to this idea that, you know, we felt very isolated and we felt like our stories didn't matter. Because um, anytime I would like Google, like, you know, like the Glee situation, I'd be like, oh my God, they're in a wheelchair. Like, I'd be so excited, right? I'd be so like all about it. And then I would Google it and then find out the person was able bodied. And then I'd just be like, you know, like <laughs> there is um there is one person I would love to honor in this moment just because he was definitely one of the trailblazers, and that's um Chris Burke. Uh, there was a show called Life Goes On, which was on ABC for four seasons. It started in 1989 and it went till 1993, and it was about a it was about a high schooler with Down syndrome named Corky, and Corky was played by Chris Burke, who was an actor on the autism spectrum. Wow. I was sorry, an actor with uh, Down syndrome. So um, it was great to see that for a brief moment in time. I just, you know, I hope we can have more of that because one uh, life goes on only aired from 1989 to 1993. And then after that, there wasn't another show about a kid with Down syndrome. So I'm hoping that we can see more of that as we proceed and not less because I will always revere Chris Burke because he was one of the trailblazers. He was the first actor with Down syndrome to have his own show on 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 primetime television that he was the headliner of and Patty Lapone played his mother and and it was a wonderful show. So it definitely has been there, just not as not as much there as you or I would have liked. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I'll have to, you know, look that up. But again, you know, kudos to all the people out there. Kudos to George Steves first and foremost. Kudos to Tatiana Lee. Kudos to Bertha Banks. Kudos to Jamie Brewster, um, yes. who is on American Horror Story. And I think she is absolutely fabulous. Kudos to Micah Fowler. Kudos to RJ Mitty. Kudos to the people who are out there representing us the best that they can. And I think the thing with Speechless, and again, I just, I like it's sad because it's like, I was like, ah, Speechless oh, is so I, I got to I got to meet Mika at a at an event um, last year before everything shut down. So. Really? Yeah, I, I was a big fan of Speechless, so I was honored to meet Mika, and I got to meet his I got to meet his parents and his sister, and um, it was a wonderful 
it was a it was a film festival focused on you know disabled stories and i got to go as a guest and mika was mika was one of the guests so i got to meet mika so um i i will always revere those who came before me because i'm i'm standing on their shoulders so i mean they they paved the way for somebody like me so i will always honor those who went first so i could go too i don't mean to embarrass you but like one of the story so one of the things that i kind of joke about that i would really like to see like hbo max or like you know a network do which i'll tag them in or like netflix i'd love to see a, a female comedy with disabled women where like they have disabilities like one has a walker and the other one is like you know uses a wheelchair and then like they own like a sex shop or something and the focus is not like the disability but the focus is you know obviously they're going to talk about their disability because it's a part of their lives but the main focus is like these two goofy gals that have like this this dildo shop together and it's like that would be my like ultimate comedy what would you like to see i mean because we have like well it's actually it's actually kind of funny you you reference that because that's actually what my next show is going to talk about once it I have, a, I have a lot more to I have a lot more to say in my next one man show and I'm going to talk about what sex and dating is like from a queer autistic perspective. That's actually going to be my next uh my next show. So HBO are you listening? Like this is some premium content here that I would pay to watch. And once again, my kudos to Ryan O'Connell, who has a show on Netflix called Special, which is about a gay man with cerebral palsy. So once again, Ryan O'Connell was somebody who led the way. So I could I could get a chance to tell my story with this next show. And um, so I, th there's so many stories that we can all tell. And I'm, I, I can't wait to see what people say, because at the end of the day, we are still humans too. We want the same things that neurotypical people want. We want the love, we want the affection, we want the understanding. At the end of the day, we are people just like you, so. And that's what these stories, and it's so amazing, like that's what these stories are telling others when they're told in the right way. They're told, you know, in this kind of humanistic way of, we're people too and we have desires and there's there's you know and like you said was special it's just kind of blazing the way and i would love i would love to see a special with you like you know on netflix where it's like a story of you know somebody with asperger's or somebody you know with a different type of autism and just knowing that because i think another thing that people kind of get confused as they think if you have a disability you know about all types of disabilities and that's not true i want to learn about disabilities too and how we navigate the world and things and i think as you know with neil demarco there was a lot of controversy about that uh reality show that he put together called death university but kind of this culture that I never even realized existed within the desk community where there's kind of like these these like turf wars of like this person's not as deaf as I am and stuff like that. I'm just like, dang, I didn't even know this stuff was real, but it makes sense. Like and again I you know, he wasn't he's an actor slash model that has you know, that is death and represents the death community. So not only is he writing it, like you're writing with your one-man show, but he's producing it and bringing in people with disabilities to do it. And yeah, I know we're coming up on an hour here. Uh, but guys, if you have any questions, let us know in the comments. And then my last question that I kind of like to round up with, like how do you feel like you claim your disability you know in hollywood a claiming disability we don't think disabled is a bad word 
it's on my shirt here, pretty disabled and powerful. Like, you know, how do you feel like you're claiming your disability and and kind of being out in the world and, and claiming it for Hollywood? Well, I'll, I'll say this, you know, for, um, for 10 years, I never talked about being on the spectrum for 10 years in Hollywood. I tried to do the traditional way of making it in Hollywood. You join an acting class, you get an agent, you, you try to get a manager, you self-submit for auditions, and you try to build up your career, the traditional Hollywood way of building up your career. The minute I started talking about my disability much more openly and putting together the one-man show, that was when things really started to take off for me. So the minute uh, the, the, the advice that I would give to anybody is embrace your weird. Embrace what makes you, you. Embrace what makes you different because there's only going to be one you and there's never going to be another you ever again. So embrace you, So. Oh my God, yes, guys. Claim it. It's okay, and it's not a bad thing. And it sounds like your disability has really helped your career in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, get George Cass on a show. I want to watch. <laughs> I need more disabled, authentic characters in my life. Please, Netflix, if you're listening, Hulu, if you're listening, Ryan Murphy, if you're listening. <laughs> Uh, DM George Steves because we need it. We need it desperately. And I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. And guys, look for clips. This was a really good conversation. It'll be, you know, up here and it'll be closed captioned for y'all. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good Friday. Bye, everybody. Bye, George. Bye. hope you enjoyed that episode I know I did um, I would love it if you could stop by the claiming disability Inc merch store we have a lot of new stuff in there pretty disabled and powerful merch to make you feel empowered by your disability um, so please stop by if you can love you guys <laughs>